0: Move Forward Radio is brought to you by ChoosePT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at ChoosePT.com.
1: Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Eric Reese. The nonprofit group Fair Health studied the health data of 2 million Americans between February 2020 and February 2021. They found that nearly 19% of COVID-19 patients experienced new health problems well after the initial illness. Among the most common symptoms were pain, breathing problems, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and fatigue. These and other lasting symptoms affect people of all ages. They can even affect people who had a mild case that didn't require hospital care. Ted DeShane shares several perspectives on these lasting symptoms, which are known as long COVID. Ted has firsthand knowledge. He got COVID-19 early in the pandemic and has long COVID symptoms even now. He also is a physical therapist who has treated patients with COVID-19. Ted talks about his personal and clinical experiences. He also discusses what he has learned as a member of a group of physical therapists who are working together to share their own long COVID experiences, research, and treatment approaches. What's it like to have long COVID? What are the best ways to address it? What advice does Ted have for those who are experiencing the condition? How can you stay safe from getting COVID-19 in the first place? Let's open up the discussion and find out. Ted, thanks for uh, joining us on Move Forward Radio. Uh, We're gonna be uh, speaking with you today about long COVID because you can address the subject from both a professional and a personal standpoint as someone who's not only working with peers to identify ways to best address long COVID from a physical therapy standpoint, but who's also still experiencing symptoms long after having gotten COVID-19. So let's take that last part first. Can you walk us through your your coronavirus uh, journey, if you will, from from when you contracted the virus to what you're experiencing now, basically like 16 months later?
2: Yeah, it's hard to believe it's been that long, but here we are. I became acutely ill with COVID-19 right as the pandemic was just hitting the United States. Um, I'm specifically in the Detroit, Michigan region, which was an early hotspot for COVID.
1: So what um, was that around March, March of uh, 20, uh, 2020?
2: Correct. Yeah, March, right in the middle of March
1: 2020.
2: Mm-hmm. I work in pediatrics, but I also work in an acute care hospital with adults. And so we kind of saw the, the first wave firsthand there. You know, I, I began with the classic COVID symptoms, fever, uh, shortness of breath, cough, fatigue, You know, what we kind of know as classic COVID-19. And then from there, I kind of, you know, got my two weeks where I thought I was getting better, you know, just kind of, you know, not feeling the greatest after that, but doing fairly well. And then um, got back into work full time, um, got back into running. 5k distance, nothing, no marathons or anything. Right. And, um, you know, at that, at that point, I kind of started to go downhill after trying to run again. And that's when I kind of realized that something wasn't right. It wasn't a normal bout of illness that I was dealing with.
1: You mean, you mean you're just winded after running or, or what, what, what happened?
2: Yeah, it was, it was more than wind, winded. I mean, I was a, a runner from prior to being infected. So I, I kind of knew a normal body response to running and as a physical therapist, I knew that as well, but I would, after just a short run, just doing maybe half a mile to a mile to start out with, I would um, be on the couch the rest of the day. I'd have to call in the work the next day. I'd just be so tired and I couldn't, um, you know, could barely open my eyes, could barely lift my head off my pillow. It was just an extreme fatigue that was Mm -hmm. not, not matching the, the kind of run that I was doing. So,
1: right. So so that happened early on, but you you've had uh, uh, symptoms for a, a long time so how how did that develop over time?
2: yeah, it, it's it's kind of has up and downs. we call it boom or bust or roller coaster. there's lots of different words for it. Um, crashing, relapsing are some of the things people like to call it as well. Um, you you kind of kind of get better and then you start to get back into the swing of things and you you just kind of crash as, as that's the, the terminology I used early on. So I experienced that for months, um, this kind of up and down boom and bust. And I think I was getting better. And, and then, um, you know, I'd try to go back out there and run or have a rough day at work. And then I'd be back back to seemingly square one. So, you know, slow, slow improvement since then. I've managed a lot better from the early days. But that was kind of the, the beginning of my long COVID journey.
1: What kind of intervention have you had along the way? I mean, you say it's been gradually getting better, but what, what, what have you been doing to help it get better? Or has a lot of that just been kind of uh, happening on its own?
2: Um, a little bit of both, I would say. I, I think the biggest kind of intervention that I've used is just better pacing and better understanding of my own body and, and how it's responding now, which is differently than it had uh, pre-COVID illness. Um, So learning what my triggers are. And for me, that's uh, physical, you know, physical mobility, moving around, exercise. um, But in addition, there's, you know, some cognitive and emotional pieces that can also trigger my crashes as well. So um, as I became more aware of those and able to kind of avoid those as best I can or manage them, um, some things you just can't avoid, um, my body became better at responding. and, And as such, my tolerance to those things kind of improved as I got through that. Learning cycle.
1: I'm interested in what you just said about having sort of cognitive and emotional triggers. Can you talk more about that?
2: Sure. That was something that was really hard to kind of grasp because I had figured out early on that physical um, activity was a trigger for me because it was easy and kind of in my wheelhouse as a PT. I noticed that when I would run or if I had a heavy day at work with a lot of, um, you know, heavy lifting kind of things, I would be extremely fatigued the next few days. So that was an easy correlation. But as I kind of learned to avoid and manage the the physical aspect of things, I was still having crashes and not really understanding why that was happening. And it wasn't until um, some other people going through long COVID um, kind of clued me in that they were noticing that kind of trigger. And, and then that kind of was a light bulb moment for me. And I thought, oh, that that's exactly it. I've been, you know, working on these spreadsheets and and things like that, which were a cognitive, uh, load for me. And that was triggering my relapses.
1: Mm -hmm. But you said emotional, uh, triggers as well.
2: Yes, uh, you know, that goes right along with, um, the cognitive thing, just if you have, you know, maybe you have not necessarily a heavy patient at work, but it's, uh, you know, an emotionally charged situation with a, you know, a diagnosis that might be, you know, terminal, so to speak, or, you know, I lost, I lost my dog mid um, last year. And that was uh, obviously an emotionally charged moment. So then you see these, the correlation between that
1: um, and your crashes as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just just so, uh, just so listeners will understand, Ted, um, when, when, when you have long COVID, that doesn't necessarily mean that, I mean, If you were to be tested, you you would not be tested as having COVID, but you still have these lingering symptoms. Is is that correct?
2: Yeah. So, as as far as anyone knows, you know, there's still some theories on that, but there's no um, active COVID virus happening, um, you know, especially in the nasal passages where they're testing. I'm, you know, I had been as a healthcare worker going through these crashes, when I crashed, it would almost seem like I had COVID again and I would have to get tested again as, right. um, as the protocol at work. And, you know, it's, it's negative every time I'm in a crash. So it's not, a, right. it's not an active COVID infection, um, like you said, yeah.
1: But obviously, you were, I guess the point I'm trying to make is obviously you're taking precautions along the way to make sure you're no danger to your patients or to anyone else.
2: Correct. Exactly. Yeah. We, I mean, we have a strict protocol at at work that if you're having symptoms, you need to be tested and are off work for a certain amount of time. And, and I was going through that every single time, which at the beginning was, was quite frequent, you know, several times a month even. So,
1: so, so because of your own circumstance and, uh, and also because of, uh, of, of your professional pursuits, and we're going to get more into more into this more in in a little bit, you know, quite a bit about long COVID at this point. Now, Ted, it's my understanding that there are certain symptoms that uh, people with long COVID could have that perhaps you haven't had. Can you can you talk about sort of the constellation of what you know now, the constellation of symptoms that people can have?
2: Yeah, so kind of the most uh, common things that people report are kind of things that go along with the acute COVID infection. So a lot of people, when they have their crashes, they complain of uh, fatigue, shortness of breath, exhaustion. Um the brain fog, which is kind of like a cognitive confusion, Um, you know, ADHD, some people describe it as. um, You might get an increased heart rate. Um, uh, Some people are still experiencing their lack of smell and taste. Um, Many, many months later, some people report uh, not being able to handle heat or cold as the temperatures change outside. So there's a huge array of symptoms that people experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, with long COVID.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and as you've uh, indicated in, in your own case, I mean, these, these symptoms that you experience can be, can be very episodic in nature, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, certainly. Some days, um, you know, some days I wake up and I feel as though I don't even have long COVID and that could last a day, it could last half a day, it could last a week, um, and, and it just depends and then something will trigger you and you'll be back to square one. I found personally that I don't make it all the way back to square one. I, I tend to, my relapses are less um, serious now, um, whereas at the beginning, I would be in bed for two or three days, where now I just might have to lay down on the couch after work, but I can wake up and, and go back to work the next day. Right. Um, so, so we don't always go back to square one, although there certainly are people who have been bed bound months after their initial crash.
1: So so one of the things that can be difficult for for a lot of people about long COVID, uh, for many reasons, including the fact that symptoms, as we've discussed, uh, vary. They can can come and go. People who experience long COVID can have difficulty being believed. Um, So as a result, the seriousness of what you're going through may not get appropriately addressed. Can you talk about that and about how people living with long COVID can best advocate for themselves?
2: Yeah, that's a really tough, uh, tough thing to handle. And I certainly went through that at the beginning. Um, You know, a lot of us have normal blood work. We have normal pulmonary function tests. Um, You know, our breathing looks normal when you do a scan, your heart looks normal when you do a scan, yet you're still experiencing all these symptoms. So when you go to a doctor or when you tell, um, you know, a loved one or, or a coworker about what you're going through, it might not, they might not see it the same way you do because to them, you might appear normal and functioning. I mean, I, I still went to work whenever I wasn't on, um, you know, off for COVID testing or things right. like that. So, um, you know, that was a really hard hard part for me. And and it's just a matter of, like you said, advocating for yourself and continuing to find people who will hear your story and find the right test that, that shows what's going on or find the right treatment for you. Um, and, it, and you, that might mean leaving a doctor that you've been with for a while or, or mm-hmm. seeking a second opinion. Um, but there's certainly people out there who are by now well-versed in long COVID um, who can at least get you on the right path um, to recovery.
1: Well, you know, I I mentioned before that there's uh, uh, you know a lot about the disease now um, from a personal and also from a professional standpoint. So. From a professional standpoint, you connected um, with other physical therapists in the U.S. and in the United Kingdom, uh, and you're a founding member of a group that's called a Long COVID Physio. So I have a few questions about that. First of all, how did you find your peers with Long COVID and, and sort of what, what um, motivated you to do that?
2: Yeah, so I, um, it all kind of came together on Twitter of all places. Um, I had a, Twitter account that I really hadn't been using and I created it uh, created it for professional use but just kind of didn't really get into it Um, I happened to be scrolling on it one day and I saw someone who said I've been dealing with COVID symptoms for it was at that point like 109 days or something like that and I thought oh this is really strange this is exactly what I'm going through so Mm -hmm. I reached out to her um and she responded back and said hey there's like five of us pts who are all going through the same thing um do you mind if i add you to our group and we can talk and so at that point it was kind of the first four or five of us um just kind of discussing what was going on with us from a personal standpoint not even professionally at that point um and just kind of you know talking back and forth about what's working what's not working does this happen to you because this happens to me kind of thing um and that's kind of how it all started Um, as just a peer support group to get together and talk about you know how are you getting better and let me see if that works for me.
1: Has your experience with that group uh, helped you personally with your long COVID in any way?
2: Yeah 100 percent you know you you talk about being believed and and it was just um, you know so so nice to find a group of people who believed you and you knew they believed you because they were going through the same thing and just that sense of Um, you know, I'm not making this up. It's not all in my head. This is something I'm actually going through. Mm -hmm. Um, just, just being able to get that kind of out in the open was, was kind of healing in itself. Uh, just, just to know that there's others out there that are going through this and, and they found some things that worked. So.
1: And and it's my understanding, uh, Ted, that the that the group uh, you you work together, you 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 share research and ideas and, and so on. Can you can you talk about the ways in which you feel like or or you hope that uh, that that this group will will help uh, advance physical therapy approaches uh, to dealing with COVID and long COVID? Yeah. So I,
2: as I mentioned, it just started as as you know, us helping each other as PTs and as patients. Um, but then we kind of realized that there was a bigger need out there. Um, and we started to have people coming up to us and saying, hey, I'm going through this, what do I need to do? Um, and, you know, at that point, enough of us had kind of uh, recovered enough to be able to kind of take that on as a project. So we've, we've just been kind of getting our message out um, through different sources about what, um, you know, what is working, what we do know from other post-viral illnesses and things um, so that we're not harming patients and causing more crashes and relapses and, and um, setting them back because that tends to be in our profession is we're, a, we're kind of a pushy profession, you know, do one more set, lift, <laughs> lift one more pound, you know, that's kind of in our nature. Right. I think that's why so many, so many of us PTs struggled with recovery because we thought that that was the way out. I um, mean, we're learning it's not, so we're, we're trying to get that message out.
0: A quick break to encourage you to move. Physical activity is associated with a reduced risk of chronic disease, not to mention improved bone health, cognitive function, weight control, and overall quality of life. Simply put, more movement is the gateway to better health. Need some help to get going? Physical therapists are movement experts who use exercise, hands-on care, and patient education to help you meet your goals. You can contact a PT directly for an evaluation. Learn more and find a physical therapist near you at choosept.com.
1: You know, I'm curious, this group that you're involved with, a lot of the, uh, the people who you're in contact with are, are, in the, are in the UK. And I'm just wondering if there's anything in the British experience of, of COVID that, that maybe has uh, informed the way you look at things or their experiences are a little different than our experiences in the United States.
2: Yeah, it it is different. Definitely a different lens. Um, You know, they have different um, medical leaves that aren't always available to us in the US. Um, You know, a lot of them were able to do a phased return where they would do one day a a week for work for a couple months and ramp up from there where a lot of us in the US, um, you know, we didn't have that ability because it's not built into our employment system. the way it is currently so um you know they definitely had more of that aspect than Mm -hmm. we had Mm -hmm. um but it did give we got a lot of different insight and we've we've even expanded to you know all corners of the earth at this point with membership so oh have you yeah we have um you know australia india um different countries in africa south america so we've um we've gathered quite a group of people from all over the globe um to get this message out and to learn from each other
1: so I, I want to talk a little bit now about, about some of the approaches to, uh, to dealing with long COVID. Um, I, I've read that, uh, that a procedure or, or maybe a, a regimen that, that, that has come to be known as stop-rest-pace uh, becomes involved with uh, long COVID, and, and that uh, people uh, incorporate this approach into the recovery process. Can you talk about a little bit more about what's involved with stop-rest-pace?
2: Sure. Yeah, stop. Rest. Pace was um, kind of a gift that was given to us by the MECFS community, which is like a chronic fatigue syndrome, myalgic encephalomyelitis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another post-viral condition, and and they taught this to us, and it's helped tremendously with our, um, you know, people going with living with long COVID. Um, it basically boils down to if you're in a flare-up, if you're in an active crash, relapse, whatever you call it, you need to stop immediately. And, and that's followed by a rest period, however long it takes to kind of get your body back to a calm state. And then once you are in that calm state and you've successfully rested, you need to pace your way back to your baseline. So, so whether that means, you know, only going, maybe you don't go to work that day, maybe you, um, maybe you can't do um, housework that day, you know, whatever it is, you, whatever your personal pacing strategy is, is what you need to do at that time. So it's just a way to kind of deal with the relapse and kind of try to get back to baseline without aggravating your body again.
1: Was, was that a lesson you had to kind of learn the hard way early on, maybe?
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I was doing quite the opposite. I was like, oh, I was tired after a half mile. I guess I need to do another half mile um, kind of thing. You know, I was, I was looking at it from a deconditioning approach, um, and that wasn't what was happening in my body, so um, obviously that approach wasn't working. So yeah, I learned this one the hard way, um, but I'm grateful for it because it's been one of the best things um, to improving my tolerance to exercise and just uh, to life in general.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so again, Ted, talking about this uh, this sort of uh, um, episodic uh, nature of long COVID. Are there different ways in which people with long COVID should approach physical activity? I mean, ideally, working with a physical therapist during the various peaks and valleys of the condition.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's important for therapists and patients to be educated on and and understand that um, it's not going to be your classic, um, you know, approach to therapy. You can't just add on another rep and. And hope to get better the next day. Um, it's going to take some fine tuning from the therapist and the patient to understand what the treatment is going to look like. Um, you know, there's going to be days where you can't come to therapy because your body is kind of in that heightened, aggravated state, and you're going to need to take that day off. Or there might be a day when you have to do all your exercises in in um, you know lying down because that's what you can handle that day. Um, so it's just about really learning the patient's response to, to exercise. Um, And then also the patient, you know, understanding their own triggers and their own um, things so they can help guide the therapist to, to get through the treatment without aggravating anything.
1: Now, what, what does science know at this point about the likelihood or not uh, of long COVID symptoms eventually just kind of fading away with or without physical therapy? Or is it just too early in the research really to be able to say?
2: Yeah, I think it's definitely too early to kind of know that for sure. Um, Anecdotally, we have, um, you know, had people who have kind of spontaneously recovered um, without much intervention. Um, But certainly, that's the minority, as opposed to, you know, the majority. Um, Mm -hmm. Most people are needing rehab, they're needing intervention to, to get better, so...
1: So, so in your own case, I mean, you're obviously you're hoping you're going to be at 100% at some point, but, but you don't even know that for yourself at this point.
2: Right, exactly. I mean, there's, there's been periods of time where I thought I was back to a hundred percent and then, um, you know, the harsh reality kind of happened and I had another crash. So, I mean, there's definitely been periods where I thought I was back to, to my normal. Um, you know, and I think most days I'm probably 80, 90, 80 to 90% back there, but, um, yeah, I'm not even sure when I'll be
1: back to 100. You, um, you treat uh, patients, as, as we've established, and, and you work in a, uh, with, with a, a variety of uh, patient populations. C- can you talk a little bit about the populations you treat and your patients' experiences with COVID and how your own experiences have, have influenced uh, perhaps your treatment methods?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm mostly in pediatrics right now. So fortunately, I'm not seeing a ton of COVID issues at that level. Um, but again, I do work with adults on occasion as well, especially those with COVID. Um, and I've certainly kind of adjusted how I explain getting better to people and and just, you know, uh, kind of walking them through that it's not going to be a straight line recovery. There's going to be ups and downs and, and certainly emphasizing rest you know, rest as a treatment rather than, um, after treatment, you know, there is times when rest is therapeutic and much needed. So, um, it certainly changed my lens that way. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think of it more like maybe I would treat like a, a cardiac, you know, someone who has, um, you know, a lot of heart involvement, we don't always push them to the extremes. Um, and that's certainly, you know, kind of something we have to look at here. Um, there's more to physical therapy than just exercise, um, and and I think we need to kind of embrace the education, rest, pacing, um, adaptation kind of side of
0: things too.
1: Sure. So, um, Ted, at, at this point, we're 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 talking here in uh, in early August of 2021, and uh, we're our country's in a, a weird place right now. Uh, many Americans are vaccinated, but a, a sizable minority are not. Uh, mask guidelines and indoor restrictions are making a comeback, and and we're we're kind of all realizing we're we're not yet in that post COVID return to normal that uh, that we'd like to be in, and that we maybe thought a month or two ago that we were going to be in, or we were in the process of being in. So, as a physical therapist, what what's your best approach to to people for for staying safe in general?
2: Yeah, I, you know, I think just just kind of accepting your own invincibility. I mean, um, and as such, taking any precautions you need, you know, none of us in our group um, expected that we would have this response to COVID. We all expected that we would, you know, be better after two weeks and back to normal. I mean, most Mm -hmm. of us are young, most of us are, um, you know, athletic, most of us have no previous um, health conditions. So we, you know, we fit the textbook for someone who's going to be okay after covid and and we we weren't we aren't so um you know just accepting that you know we don't know everything about this disease it's still important to not catch it if you have the opportunity you know by taking any measure that you can um you know there's there's it's a roll of the dice how you're gonna gonna respond so
1: right right so so basically do all the things that uh, we're being told we should do in terms of uh in terms of mask wearing, in terms of uh, social distancing and, and those types of things.
2: Exactly, any, any precaution that you are able to take advantage of, I would urge you to do so, yes.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so my last question, uh, uh, again, as a PT and as somebody who, uh, who's been experiencing long COVID for, for all this time, uh, what's your best advice, Ted, to those who are still experiencing uh, COVID-related problems weeks or even months after their initial bout with the virus?
2: yeah, my first advice goes back to that thing we talked about earlier. stop, rest, pace. That's gonna be your best friend um, to kind of get your body and your nervous system calmed down and and um, starting the path to recovery. if If you continue to boom and bust, crash, relapse, whatever word you choose, um, you're you're not going to to get better. Um, so that would be my first piece of advice. The other thing is is find a medical provider who, Believes you who understands what long COVID is as much as we can at this time, um, because you still want to make sure that you don't have any of those red flag issues. You know, we do know that people get, um, you know, heart issues, lung issues, vascular issues after COVID. Um, So you can't just write everything off as long COVID and, and also have things going on. So get to your specialists, make sure that. You know, everything checks out as you can find a therapist who understands um, these type of viral conditions um, and is not going to push you to a point of relapse um, and, and also reach out and find peer support. That was one thing that, like I said, really kind of catapulted my recovery was finding mm-hmm. people going through the same thing and, and learning from them. And, and also, it's just so good for your, your own mental health to have kind of a sounding board of people. Who understand what you're going through.
1: So. Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, that's great advice. Um, uh, Ted DeShane, uh, thank you so much for joining us on Move Forward Radio and, and best of health to you uh, going
0: forward. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Or find previous episodes at ChoosePT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at ChoosePT.com.